Welcome to the next episode of Scale Your Course. In today's episode, we're going to be turning the tables a little bit. Jaina Peterson is a previous guest of mine, and what I'm going to be doing in this episode is repurposing an interview where Jaina actually asked me questions and invited me to come and participate in a expert interview series that she ran last year. Now, the purpose of Market Your MV was to really help those with Member Vault accounts really figure out ways that they could stand out in the busy online space so that they could drive traffic to their member vaults and continue to grow and scale their business. She had a three-tier model where she first interviewed experts who spoke specifically to do with lead generation strategy. She then had a phase two tier where people were invited to talk about connection and nurture strategy. And then she had a phase three where it was related to retention and referral. And that's where I came in. I was invited to talk about instructional design. Now I don't focus a lot on sales inside of the Skill Your Course podcast, but this is such a great conversation because it emphasizes the importance of design in the sales process. I share a lot of my best tips and strategies in this interview, so I encourage you to grab a notebook and a pen and think about your current course or program. Ask yourself if you actually have considered all of these things as part of your design strategy, because if you haven't, there's probably an opportunity for you to take a deeper dive. I'm also going to link Market Your MV inside of the show notes below. Whether or not you are a Member Vault user or not, I can guarantee you that the strategies that are shared are not just Member Vault specific. However, the intended audience at the time was definitely Member Vault users. If you're listening for the first time and you're wondering what the heck is Member Vault, just know it's one of our preferred course and content platforms. And I am also going to link that for you in the show notes below so you can check them out if you haven't already. All right, let's get started. Welcome to Scale Your Course. If designing and delivering a scalable course has got you feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and just plain tapped out, you're not alone. I'm Tracy Sheriff, and in this podcast, you'll listen to a combination of solo episodes and powerhouse interviews, where we'll share tips, strategies, and insider insights into how you can successfully design and deliver a scalable course. Prepare to reach your next level business goals without compromising your health and wealth, with the Scale Your Course podcast. Hey, Jaina Peterson here from CourseBeastar.com. In this video, I'm going to be interviewing Tracy Sherritt. She is a college professor teaching at two different colleges. She lives in Canada. She'll tell you a little bit about that. Um, She has her master's degree in educational adult learning training, teaching, something very close to that, which she'll she'll maybe recap on as well. So she has extensive in-depth background with creating really highly engaging learning experiences for people. And that is why I've asked her to do this training for that third tier of your business when you're trying to really um, optimize your, your training and get clients and students through those programs or courses that you're developing, even your membership sites, so that you retain them and they want to refer other people to to your member vault because it is seven times less less, uh, money and time to retain a client or student than to just get them, uh, retain them, upsell them through to the next product 
and also to build that referral engine for your business. And so she's going to be talking about the back end of that instructional design piece. So Tracy, can you share with us just a little bit about how you're currently serving your clients um, with Memberball in your business? Great. Thanks for having me, Jane. I, I appreciate the invitation and I always love talking about instructional design. So mm -hmm. here I am. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned, I'm from Canada and Ontario, actually. Right. And I do teach in two colleges. My Primarily, my background has been in education all my life. I've, I've um, well, all my adult life, working life, um, everything from early childhood all the way through to adult, um, and even working with adults with disabilities, you know, teaching like workplace English and technology. Everybody that I work with, I really just have to, to really think about what's the best way to present this information? What information do I need to present? What information can I leave out? All of those things. And I just became super passionate about teaching in general, but not just teaching, teaching really, really well. When I entered college um, as a college professor, I didn't have any training. I was a frontline expert in my niche, which was early childhood education. They kind of said, here's your course outline, go for it. And all I had was what I had seen people do before me, right? Experiences that I'd had as a student and while most of them were actually reasonably good experiences, what I soon realized was that I had to find my own way and I had to develop my own like craft, teaching craft. Mm -hmm. So that led me into my master's, which was a master's of arts in education, adult concentration. So basically focusing on teaching the adult learner mm -hmm. because that's where I was spending the bulk of my time and I could see my future in um, teaching adults. What initially drew me to Tracy is that she delights in making very engaging learning experiences. And so we have a lot of creatives on the platform who don't have this instructional design background. Um, so tell us just a little bit about how you got into that even more niche specialization of making things very engaging, gamified, you know, to get people to complete the training because without that completion, we oftentimes don't have the testimonials and the referrals that we'd like to have to kind of fuel our business. My passion really stems from being student-centered. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you may not even know this, Jane, I, I'm not sure if I've shared this with you, but I have three boys. They're grown now mm -hmm. um, between 19 and 26. But two of the three of them had um, some learning challenges in school. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time advocating as a parent really trying to help people understand my children, understand, you know, how they could, you know, better support their, their learning. And so that and my paired with my interest in children with special needs, because I was a resource teacher, I learned everything about how to break things down, how to bring in the the, the student who is the least likely one to succeed and how to grab their attention and maintain their attention and really make them actually, you know, achieve the goals that you set for them and that they set for themselves. So I just really became really invested in the student. And so I recognized early on the importance of the teacher and the teacher's role. Mm -hmm. um, and then certainly as a college professor, one of the things that I, I've said before is you have to learn how to become a bit of an edutainer, right? Um, for sure. So, you know, People aren't going through our courses on Memorable usually for college credit. So there, it's self-directed learning. So it has to entice and delight a little bit and edutain, like you said, to get, yes. to get the learning to stick, right? And to keep them moving forward toward that ultimate transformation. 
Sure. And I mean, member vaults, the people that are, are taking your courses or my courses or someone else's courses are often voluntarily signing up to take these classes because they're really passionate and they're really interested. So you've already got one bonus there, um, but certainly had learned a lot about trying to push those other students through, the college students through classes that are maybe less exciting for them. And, you know, so um, certainly with Member Vault, really just wanting to help people leverage um, the power of Member Vault, but really also recognizing that the design of curriculum is, is super important. Mm -hmm. And so without, you know, you can't really have one without the other. Like you can have a really great platform and all the bells and whistles. Mm -hmm. If you don't know how to use those bells and whistles and it doesn't really marry well with your mm -hmm. curriculum design, you're missing something, right? Yeah. And so Tracy is taking all this experience and even the street cred of, of advocating for her own kids and having to um, help other people understand how to educate them through some of those challenges. She's pulling all of these resources together to help her clients with the back end of their setup and their entire curriculum design and creating that super engaging learning experience by, like she said, breaking it apart and doing a bit of a gap analysis and seeing where are people kind of falling through the cracks or where's there not that natural bridge to the next concept in the training to keep them progressing forward all the way through to that transformation that you promised as part of your course design, you know, and that's some pieces that we don't always think about as creatives. We're like, I'm just going to put something up and hope that it, hope that it sticks. And that can work initially, but what Tracy delights in and what she's best at is helping someone who's kind of midway through has a pretty great curriculum or course or offer, and then she optimizes it and takes it to the next level for people. And so Tracy, share with us your screen and, and start walking us through maybe some of the, the tips that you'd recommend that we consider for instructional design to really help retain those students all the way through to completion and create those really highly engaging learning experiences. So as you mentioned, the instructional design tips that I'm going to share are really um, designed to help you retain your student so that they you know, move through your course, they are successful, they're, ex they're inspired, and they really want to share what they've learned with other people by referring you on, right? So you have this constant churn of, of students or clients, but this allows you to really scale your online course. You can really look at your course then as a, as a business asset. So I want to just focus primarily for one minute on, you know, really what is instructional design? Because a lot of people don't even really understand it. Um, instructional design is really about designing and developing the learning experience based on how people learn. And, and not just how people learn, but how people learn best. There's tons of research and theory and science behind like how people learn that a lot of people don't they might do use some of the strategies that I'm going to talk about, but they may not fully even understand why they're doing that strategy or how they can leverage that strategy even more. Um, and it, it really is about um, science, right? And so what instructional design does, it allows you to make learning more effective and efficient, right? And so that's really about learning more in less time mm -hmm. and being able to, as you mentioned earlier, like really make the learning stick and make it make it applicable. And it supports the, the design of safe learning communities. And that's where the student-centeredness comes in, right? So it all really ties in to really focusing on the person that you're designing for, and that's your student. So often we get caught up in the content. What am I going to teach? 
not so much about the how of how we're going to teach it in the most effective way. And so we know that in order to scale your course, and when I say scale, I just mean uh, create this product that you can continue to grow, you've got the, a real successful churn of students through, and that you can you know, then still have a good quality course, but allow yourself to maybe be um, a little bit more removed from it, but not at the detriment of your student, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we wanna prevent is this leaky bucket syndrome, like, like you mentioned earlier, Jane, about this, the, the student who's like coming in and then, you know, maybe they're, they're either dropping out because they get there and it's not what they expected or they've changed their mind for some other unknown reason or they buy and they ghost you. They just sit yeah. there and they actually don't really make it through to the end of the course. And so, you know, we, we want to try to avoid as much of this leaky bucket. Yeah, I love, love the picture you chose here because, as you know, like you said, people buy, they ghost, or they get distracted, or they're just too busy. And so constantly trying to bring them back and re-engage them into your product, your, your course, and, and making things really actionable. I'm sure a lot of your instructional design is focused on implementation and that quick, not just teaching them a concept, but actually quickly applying it, trying it out as close as possible to learning the concept to get that traction and help them see, oh, this is going to work. This is going to change my life in some capacity and give me that win that I'm looking for. And the reason that I bought this course or this into this membership site or this coaching program. For anything that's non-credit based or outside of the realm of college, you know, an accredited college experience, adults tend to reach out and do self-directed learning to solve a specific problem. And it's a pain point that they have right now. They go, they Google it, they YouTube it, they look up and see whatever, or they come across your path in some capacity and they're like, I need that thing right now. And it's usually because it's like, I need to get to the solution that you're offering through your course or your platform, whatever it is that is part of your offer. So make sure that people are getting to that practical, you've got it right here, problem-centered approach. Right. I hijacked yes. the slide, sorry. And that's okay. I was just thinking that people probably think you've seen this presentation already and you haven't, so it just goes to show that we're in sync here, right? Um, that adults do, they're, they're problem-driven, they want a solution, and so that's how they approach learning. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot, obviously, some interests that people might have um, that draw them in, um, but a lot of times they're looking for a solution to something. So being really um, available to be that, that person front and center to help solve their problem is important. And so that means you have to have a clear promise or clear outcomes for the product that you are creating. And that needs to be um, communicated up front. They need to know exactly what it is that, that what transformation that you're promising them. And then also, you know, from a problem solving perspective, also allowing students to identify their own goals. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you may have goals for them, but what are their goals? And we'll talk a little bit more about that later and how you can, how you can create those um, loops to get that information. And another strategy that you, uh, I know is often used, but maybe isn't really sort of connected to this, you know, problem solving and, you know, uh, student-centered teaching is using stories and activities that really replicate real world application. So allowing, you know, them to hear your stories about your experiences, bringing other people's stories in and allowing them to share their stories within the group. If you have, you know, uh, 
a course where there's a group of people going through at the same time. This is a really um, important part of that, but then also giving them opportunities to practice like solving the problem in re the real world application sense. So we want to make sure that all of our content is relevant and is focused on solving one problem because a lot of times what happens is if you're not really clear on your promise or the transformation and you're trying to solve too many problems, what naturally happens, Gina? Overwhelm, right? Total overwhelm and then they disengage. If, if you overwhelm them with too much content, which I've been accused of doing before, I don't know if you've been accused of doing before. Absolutely. I have a very high threshold for overwhelm so it doesn't impact me nearly as easily and quickly as it might my students. And I'm like, isn't more better? <laughs> Just keep kind of shoving stuff at them, you know? Yes, yes, that whole drink from the water hose kind of thing or the fire hose, right? Um, that's what you want to try to avoid. You, you want to trickle. You don't really want to, you know, drown them before they even have a chance to really, you know, um, get their feet wet or get that life preserver on. Sometimes, you know, there are in lots of courses, there's heavy content, right? So you might start light and you get to a section of the content, which is a little bit heavier. But by then they've sort of acclimated to the, the flow of the course to your teaching style to the comfort of being a part of that group or that that space if it is a group um, course yeah so all of these things these are you know strategies design strategies that you can use in order to really help support the adult who's looking for that you know um, that problem that uh, the solution to that problem that they have so the other way that adults approach learning is that um, adults already have reached a point in their life where they already know the value of education. And when they commit to it, they're generally serious and focused. So it's a little bit different than children or um, even young adults who maybe are still trying to figure out, you know, what they want to learn, why they want to be there, how they want to learn it. Um, the clients and students that you and I have and uh, all of the other MV, um, users, mm -hmm. uh, course builders, course creators, your, your student is there intentionally. They've chosen their time with you. So that's really important to, to remember. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we have to remember that we have to honor our learners, right? Mm -hmm. We have to um, recognize that, that they're spending valuable time and money, right, with us. And it's purposeful and intentional decision on their part. And I, you know, it's not to say that I think that people um, don't respect learners, but I think sometimes um, we maybe misunderstand the intention and the purpose behind why people are, are purchasing our products. And we may judge sometimes, especially yeah. if someone's not taking action the way that we think that they should, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, sometimes we can have thoughts that run through our mind, mm -hmm. but really we need to think about, put ourselves in their shoes and think about what they might be going through. So really just respecting our learners. Oh, I Sorry. was going to say one thing. Like we might, we're so excited about our own topic, but we have a wealth of background knowledge about that topic that our, our newer learner about that topic may not have. So we might be um, superimposing our excitement and our understanding of that topic on them without adequately educating and exciting them about that topic before we start feeding them this new new concepts and new information about it. For sure, for sure. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves in the online space is when we don't consider 
our role in a student's overwhelm or their inaction, right? And we just sort of jump to this idea that they're just disinterested or uncommitted. <laughs> and, you know, my argument back, you know, with any of my clients is, you know, what is, what is that telling us? Is there something different that we need to be doing? Do we need to reach out and ask, you know, because there could be a small tweak that we can make to the yeah. way our, we present our information or we interact with that student that just might bring them back on board. So not to, to jump to conclusions is, is, or make assumptions is really important. And always asking learners for their opinions and feedback, mm -hmm. right? They are there intentionally, their opinions need to matter. And so if we're asking for feedback, but then we're just disregarding it mm -hmm. as, a, as a teacher or you know, business owner, we're making a huge mistake. So mm -hmm. we just wanna make sure that we, we really do honor them, ask for their opinion, but, and actually leverage it, like take it seriously. Yeah, and we can natively do this in Member Vault very simply at the end of each lesson with the native feature of quiz questions. Yes, yes. I've used quiz, quiz questions a lot just for feedback purposes. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, students feel sometimes a little less threatened to just, you know, type in a box than they might if you called them up on the phone or invited them to a Zoom, although there is value in, in those kinds of feedback yeah. sessions as well. Um, but, you know, the way the quiz feature is set up in Member Vault is perfect match mm -hmm. for, for gathering feedback. The other way that adults approach learning is that they have a secure self-concept and so they really want to have a part in directing their own learning. They don't just always want to be told what to do. And so in order to support that, you know, we need to, you know, one, help them identify the benefits of what it is that they're doing. So primarily making sure that the why is being um, shared with them, but then offering lots of flexibility flexibility and choice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, their journey doesn't have to look exactly the way that we intended for it to still be meaningful and get them to where they need to go. So some students are kind of, you know, they do resist a little bit. And so they might want to jump ahead or they might want to take longer on a particular topic or they might want to skip an activity. Mm -hmm. And while we think we might know best, we do need to respect the adult learner that, you know, anytime we can build in flexibility and choice mm -hmm. is a really good way of them feeling more supported. And, you know, coming back to this whole retention thing, you know, these, I just want to really connect back that these strategies as, as maybe obvious, as I say them, they might feel obvious if they're not intentionally built into your curriculum. Mm -hmm. then um, we're missing an opportunity, right? And so we could lose students with our own, you know, rigidity of, you know, how we have things set up. And so this is, you know, one of the great things about Member Vault is that you can choose whether you have a progressive course, a date-dripped course, mm -hmm. you know, whether all the content is available to students at, the, at one time. And it's really probably depends a lot on your topic, depends on a lot on your audience, who you're, who you are supporting in this learning and, you know, um, the journey that you, that you choose to set up, but mm -hmm. always thinking about it through the student view, you know, what, what um, your choices, how's that going to impact them? The way you learn isn't necessarily the way that they're going to learn. Mm -hmm. So being okay with um, offering some flexibility there. I know there's a lot of debate sometimes in, in the collaborative about whether to choose like time dripped or progressive or all of those things. So lots of good conversations. 
I think some of that's dependent too. Like if it's your first run at developing the course, it makes sense from the business owner standpoint to get it out there as they're building it on the back end. So they might yes. do that time dripped or date dripped just as they're building out so that people can get in and start, you know, they can kind of sell before they built it all so that they can get that feedback and input from those early adopters, beta users, if you will, of the course. Um, and then some concepts or trainings truly are cumulative in nature and they have to go through the content in a certain order to really understand the back end training. But as you know, most adult learners are like, just give it to me and let me decide for myself. Like I think yeah. all of us would say our personal preferences, let me have at it. But I think as a, as the developer of the content, it's really helpful to have a start here module and really guide them through that binge process of getting into your content to just guide them a little bit to say, let's put on our blinders here just for a moment. I know I'm going to be doing that in, in this market your member vault course because it's so massive and I want people to dial into which phase of business they're in and to only consume at the rate that they're able to implement like that's going to be a huge part of my instructional design at the beginning with that start here module to just to to keep them from overwhelming themselves sure and i think with anything jana um when a student might ask you for something that you you know i have the word accommodate here on the screen something that you can't accommodate um my rule of thumb is I need to be able to articulate back why, right? So yep. if I have a good reason why mm -hmm. I've chosen it to be a certain way, I just need to be prepared to articulate that because yeah. it is my, you know, it is my product. It is my experience. I want, you know, um, I, I, I'll just share with you, even as a college professor, I have one course where students were like, can you just please, please open up everything all the other professors do. And I really, I didn't want to, and I knew yeah. why, but they just kept asking. And I thought, okay, I'll, this is, I'll see how this goes. And I opened it and it was a nightmare. They got overwhelmed. Then they were sending me different kinds of emails and got lost and people were missing like where they were and what they uh -oh. completed. And, <laughs> and so, you know, my point being, if you have a plan for your course and you have a really good, strong rationale, especially if it's an instruct from uh, instructional design lens and you know why you're making the decisions you are, as long as you're prepared to articulate that back, most students are going to respect you and honor that, right? For sure. Um, but if you're just kind of uncertain whether, you know, what will make a difference and you've just sort of you might need to demonstrate some flexibility or willingness to try it their way just to sort of see. Um, I think giving them your why is really the most important thing. There has to be a why behind your what. And if you explain that and articulate that well, they'll, they will respect that. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So, you know, I've got on here accommodating busy schedules. Like we know that adults, uh, learners, even though they've made intentional choices are still often balancing things um, quite a lot between family and work and so anytime we can build in options and um, into like when content can be consumed or how if we're running live calls like maybe trying to accommodate um, our again this is all about you know through the lens of retention mm -hmm. this is really about making them want us to continue to be served by you right to be to, for, for, the, for you to be the one that they return back to because, you know, maybe they've emailed you and they've asked for, you know, an alternative time and maybe you weren't planning on it, but you did give a little bit of extra. Not always can you do that, 
but when you can, it's going to help keep that um, person coming back and they're going to remember you and they're going to refer you and, you know, then you've got your, your growth engine there, right? Yep, absolutely. Nice. Providing opportunity for exploration. So, you know, um, adult learners really, they want to have that freedom and flexibility. So if you can offer some additional resources um, for them to, to dive a little bit deeper into a topic as well, that's not directed by you. Mm -hmm. You know, my suggestion here would be to list it as optional yeah. um, or extra so mm -hmm. that you're not, um, you want to be cautious here. You don't want to create something where you have such a rich, you know, sort of optional resource section that it diverts them away from the task at hand or the goal mm -hmm. that they're trying to achieve. Yeah, um, but recognizing that adults are naturally curious, right? And they, you know, they've chosen to learn with you and they want to know what else you, what else you got. Yeah, right? we get so. an itch and we want to scratch it and we sometimes want to go down a little rabbit hole just for the fun of it. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, but, you know, just being cautious with, with the balance there and making sure that if you do have a student who's not progressing and you're noticing, like, in member balls, it's great because you can look around and see what they're clicking on. If they're clicking on all the things but the stuff that you really want them to be focused on, then maybe reaching out to them and, and checking yeah. in and, um, you know, keeping an eye on that for next time because, you know, like you said, you could be beta testing. Every time you run a course, you're refining, 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 right? And yeah. so you may do things completely differently next time and that's that's okay. Um, just as long as it's communicated to your students what what is happening, the current students, you're in good shape. Um, we know that adult learners are internally motivated. So most, many adult learners, like they're making conscious choices um, because of they're solving their own problems. So they often aren't doing it because they want to impress their mom or their best friend or, grade or whatever. Yeah, for grades, all of those things. Yeah. Um, so in, in, to, make, to make sure that we're honoring that, we really want to set the stage for quick wins for them, like right from the get-go. Mm -hmm. So when they come in, you want them to learn something really quickly and be able to apply it in that real-world application. Mm -hmm. They will love you forever because they will feel like, yes, I'm in the right place. I learned something new right away. You know, even if the next module, maybe it's a module that they, they already are an expert in. But, you know, the good thing is that they've already got that initial quick win. So think about your quick win as something that is really going to, well, you use the word delight a lot, you know, something that's really going to um, be your smoking gun. Try to get sneak it in there early on to help um, keep them coming back for more. Yeah. And then having an opportunity for them to be able to share their wins, right? Giving them that platform, whether it is like sending you, inviting them to, send you an email, right, when they've achieved something, or if, it, if you do have a community, being able to um, share in the community. Um, because, you know, while they're internally motivated, they, adults do like recognition, right? They do, they do like to be able to brag a little bit. Yep. Um, making the student feel like the content is personalized also helps with that internal motivation. So while we can't personalize content for every single student, when we're creating our content, we have to think about our student body as really diverse and as much as you want every student to feel like she knew exactly what I needed. Um, he, he understands me 100%. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're using my name. I mean, that's a personalization feature yeah. inside a member vault where you can easily yeah. use the, 
the percentage and the first name. I think what do they call that? There's a name for those tag customization tags. Yes. Yeah. Um, but when, you know, what I'm talking about here is even bigger than that. It's really just making sure that you've really thought about all of the potential students that might be in your class and, or your course and you've, um, that they just feel like you built the course just for them. Mm -hmm. It takes time to do that. So you might not get there on your first iteration, right? Mm -hmm. I want to say that a lot of these design strategies, you know, there's many, many more that I'm not even talking about today, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, that all of these things, like I said, do lead back to retention. So if they feel that personalization from the get-go, um, you're going to have a, they're going to be, again, that no like and trust is going to be there early on. Yeah. Um, but not to all feel totally overwhelmed by all of these things that you, you don't get your product out into the world either, because right. you know, you can add elements and layers to your courses yeah. um, as you test them out. I love how you're bringing up that iterative process, because even as I build out this course, it's like, I'm trying to just initially get the training, you know, the interviews uploaded and create kind of the, the skeleton or framework of the course. And then I have on the back end, like thought, okay, iteration two, I'm going to go back and do this through all of it. Iteration three, I'm going to go back and make sure this is really dialed in, you know? So I'm also looking at ways to constantly improve and optimize the course as I go, but it's, I, I have to release it into the world at some point. And when is it good enough to do that? And then to go back and optimize everything. Absolutely. You know, you're consider every time you run a course, a test, right. And that find, you know, we'll talk about feedback loops and stuff a little bit differently later on, but um, really just making sure that you are paying close attention to the experience. And if each and every time your goal is driven by elevating the experience mm -hmm. and really just um, optimizing it, you will have a product that is going to be, you know, um, well sought after, you know, those referrals are going to come in for sure. Mm -hmm. So adults um, who are learning, um, we know that they have a variety of experiences that they already bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And so recognizing that, you know, even in a group of 10, there's going to be some that you know, are maybe a little bit more advanced in that particular topic um, than others, but also that they may have other experiences that they can bring in that you can leverage as part of your, you know, course, right? So we talk about bringing experts in, but what about looking within our students and ask, you know, trying to source yeah. some expertise, like right inside of your, of your, um, your class list, right? That's a great way to honor their background experience and drawing, draw it out of them because adults learn by attaching new learning to prior learning. And so we have to, as instructors, dredge that up a bit, stir it up a bit and, pull it out of the different adult learners and highlight it and say, look, you guys aren't all blank slates like younger children would be. You have a wealth of experience and different perspectives that you bring with you um, that we want to honor the diversity of all the students in this course. For sure. And, you know, they may not be jumping up to volunteer, um, but on, on the flip side to that, you may have somebody who says, I can, you know, add to this or I, you know, I could help with that. And sometimes I feel like people get threatened, like course creators might get a little bit threatened by that because they don't want to be upstaged. But if you can get into the, the mindset of really just um, leveraging that as, hey, 
Sure. Come and support this conversation. You want to, you know, do a little mini training or something. I'd be happy to have you record something and I'll throw it up and, you know, like you have to be thoughtful about it. You have to know the person you have to kind of do a little bit of um, research, you know, find out for yourself if, if they really do know what, but what I'm trying to say is really just leverage, leverage the people within your group as co-learners yeah. and not just put your place yourself as that expert. And you will have, again, they will feel honored, they will feel valued, and they will, you know, um, hopefully those closet people, the ones that maybe are a little bit shy, will, will yeah. start to also share. Yeah. So build your content on what they already know, which is what Jaina, you know, just sort of talked about. Scaffolding, right? Finding out what they, know, what, what they already know, um, where they're trying to go, and you're, you know, also, you're filling in that sweet spot, that space in between. Perfecting the perfect lesson hook is another way to sort of keep this going. And so um, we'll talk a little bit later about one of my free resources, but I have a formula for the lesson hook. So it's really just, you know, you've already hooked them when they come into your course. Like if they've already paid you for your purchase um, or, you know, for your service even, you've hooked them. They're curious. Um, they think that you're going to solve their problem, but you're going to have to keep hooking them all the way through, right? Mm -hmm. You can't just assume because they showed up for the first class that they're going to show up for the second class and so on and so on and so on. You have to entice them to keep coming back for more, which also, as much as that's at the beginning of the class, hooking them, you know, hooking them at the end of the, the class for, you know, net what's to come, right? Mm -hmm. So that they're, they're coming, especially if it's not a, a course where the content's available to them all in, um, you know, its entirety. Mm -hmm. And then also adults have established preferences on how they consume information. So they've already kind of, you know, I don't want to talk about learning styles because we could get probably into a debate about whether those things actually really exist <laughs> or not. But what we do know is that adults have preferred ways of consuming information. And, you know, Every group is going to have people that prefer video over audio or audio or video or text-based or, you know, graphics and visuals. So the best rule of thumb, which I know in Member Vault gets talked about a lot, is, is creating content in a variety of different ways, right? So yep. utilizing uh, different formats. Um, and that also um, leads into, like, the accessibility piece, right? Mm -hmm. Recognizing that there are students that don't just benefit from it because they like it, but because they need it. They need maybe closed captioning on the videos or they, you know, um, prefer audio um, portability you know, sort of based on, on their schedule and, and how they need to be able to consume the content. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of accessibility. You know, we talk about differentiating learning and education and entrepreneurs and um, marketers talk about, you know, repurposing content. I see them almost as the same. When you're repurposing, you're reaching a broader audience, just primarily based on preference, but also based on what they need it to be framed in, right, in order for them to consume it. So always thinking about accessibility. Yeah. Um, chunking content, right? Chunking means, you know, taking bigger, you know, meatier pieces of information and and practical knowledge and actually like breaking it down into smaller tasks. And so it's much more easy to absorb rather than again, that whole fire hose thing. <laughs> um, and I, you know, that is a bit of an art because yeah. 
<clears throat> sometimes you might think you've chunked it enough, but once you get to know your group mm -hmm. or your current cohort, because a lot of times students move through courses in cohorts, you know, you have your open cart, your closed cart, mm -hmm. um, you do, um, you may have to actually adjust based on the group. So if they're mm -hmm. telling you to speed, you know, they need more, and that's the consensus, you can probably chunk it differently than if, mm -hmm. if they're telling you, you know, slow down, it's going too fast. Mm -hmm. um, design for accessibility, we've already talked about. And then adults also want to have support when they need it, right? They don't, you know, they're sometimes learning at all hours of the night, right? You know, you're fast asleep when they're consuming your content in a, in a, a self, you know, a self-study course. Um, so they, they need to have the opportunity to have some support. So you need to think about what that might look like for your group. I suggest creating a library of curated resources and curated is the key word. Don't just stick any old thing in there. Make sure that it, it supports the learning. Don't be afraid to share other people's stuff either. A lot of times there's this fear that, you know, I need to, to create everything. Um, because if I don't, then they're going to be interested in what someone else is selling or serving. Um, leverage each other and an MV in particular, you know, refer each other stuff on. Um, you don't have to be a master to everything in order to support your students. Um, but you, curation requires, means you've read it or you've listened to it, or at least have a really good understanding that they're not going to be, you know, pitched at the end or, something like that. So being thoughtful about it. Yeah. And this course wouldn't exist if it wasn't for curated interviews of experts because, you know, Tracy and I have an education background, not necessarily marketing or business backgrounds. And so I knew coming into this, this is what my people need after I set up their member vault or build out a course. And I'm sure yours, yours do too, Tracy, but um, then they go, what do I do with this now? How do I get uh, more traffic to it? How do I sell this thing so that it can truly become a business and I can make a go of this online thing? You know, so being able to not only feature all the brilliant minds that we have in the collaborative and the, a lot of the Member Vault certified partners, um, this is a curated course of experts, you know, so starting from that solid outline and making sure everything fits under that umbrella of how do you market your Member Vault but then, you know, crowdsourcing all of this and highlighting what if you want to go further, you know, to, to showcase, here's the resources right here at your fingertips, right under this training, really, to get in touch with each of these experts. Sure, sure. I know, um, you know, I'm, sometimes we mention, like, technology in our, our, you know, our course, and we refer to it, but we, we don't necessarily place a good curated resource about that. Um, or we don't link to something which might further support their learning. And I, you know, you know that if you curate it, it's going, it's, it's, and it's meaningfully placed there that they're going to be supported if they choose to look deeper. Um, and they're not going to be wasting precious time and brain power <laughs> Google searching um, because we know that not every resource is equal. Right. Some resources are better than others. So if you really want to support your students, it might be a little bit more for you on the front end to curate those resources. But you will know that they'll have the right resources at the right time. Right. Yeah, for sure. Just in time learning. Just in time. Yes. Look, 
You are so much predicting me. Oh my goodness. I didn't know that was even coming. Woo-hoo. No, it didn't. <laughs> um, again, another, another sinkable moment here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, offering just-in-time resources. And that might mean stuff that you've planned for, but also stuff you've not planned for. So really um, listening to the feedback. Um, the questions that might be being asked if you're, you know, again, have a community or they're emailing you, you know, for clarification, right? That's where you might need to beef up the resources. And, you know, um, if you can get even, uh, particularly after you've ran the course once or twice, you can get really good at where those sticky points are going to be. Mm -hmm. And students will love you because they'll, just like you did for me right now, you sort of predicted or maybe didn't even predict, but we were in sync. They'll be like, wow, she really knew what I needed Mm -hmm. just right when I needed it. Right. And what Tracy was going to say, I haven't even gone through this slide deck yet. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. And, and it's, it's really can, again, it reinforces that no like and trust it's reinforcing that retention. It's making them want to continue to learn with you. And so when they're finished this product, they want to potentially, if you're, you know, potentially upselling them into another product, they're being more inclined to, you know, um, support your business, but also um, for future, right? Whenever they see something that Jaina has put out or, um, you know, Tracy's put out because they've had this experience, they're more likely to buy and join and tell a friend, like yeah. even that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then offering a learning community. You know, I think we all know the value in the learning community. And I we talked about co-learning. And I think that I just want to stress that again. So, you know, we know that courses that attract and retain learners are intentionally designed. And that's kind of my mission with the work that I do is to really help, you know, one, raise awareness to that instructional design isn't, is, is a thing, right? Like there are people that have even higher degrees than I do. That's all that they, they, that's what they do, right? There's mm. their, their masters to this instructional design. And um, it's okay if you're a newer course creator or even an experienced or seasoned course creator who really doesn't fully understand. I, I hear a lot of times you know, when people ask me what I do, if I use the terminology instructional design, they don't really un- always understand what that is. If you're in education, you understand. If you're not in education, you, you often don't. And people will say, I didn't even know people like you existed. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that's always a great opportunity for me to inform, but also for people to recognize that as natural as it might feel to just put some knowledge, some content together and put it out in the world, that if you need help, you know, seek out some people that can give you some guidance. And MV Collab, you know, there's me and many other people um, in there that have this real passion for this stuff. So Mm -hmm. not to feel like, you know, if you're a bit overwhelmed, because I had a lot of like, you know, tips there, each of those tips could be, you know, at least a 30 minute conversation in themselves and how you, what do you, what does that actually mean? How do you actually do that? How do you know when to put the feedback loop in? How do you know when you need to chunk the information? Those are all other conversations for another day, right? So, um, but just knowing that that this is important is, is I think, the reason why you asked me to come yeah, on. Yeah, I want you to raise awareness of the behind the scenes pieces that that seem uh, invisible in the background if they're done well, but if they're not done well, then it's, it's a little bit... Um, it has a lot more friction going through the course and sure. won't be as seamless of a process to the learner. 
Yes. And I mean, we talked earlier about testimonials very, very briefly, but I mean, um, you know, ultimately getting your student through to the end. So retaining them all the way through, but you, you want a good quality testimonial at the end, right? Yeah. So you, you want, want them to, to be able to say, I felt supported. You know, I had what I needed when I needed it. The content was, you know, flowed nicely. It was, I didn't feel overwhelmed. And if I did feel overwhelmed, I was able to get the support I needed to help me understand where, you know, how I could, you know, realign um, with the experience, right? Yep. For sure, for sure. Um, so the how is equally important, right? So maybe even more important than the what, and that's where, you know, I see this flipping. You know, this conversation I hope has maybe allowed people to, to think, you know, content's important. You have to have the right content, but you also need to be focusing on this how. Thank you so much, Tracy, for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been great, great conversation as always. If you like this episode, one of the best thank yous you can give me is to subscribe and leave me a review. Leaving a podcast review helps me get more reach and attract more listeners. And if you're ready to scale your course, I also have a free roadmap that you can download. This roadmap will give you access to my framework for scaling courses, what you need to do, what you need to consider, and even who you should include in the process. Check the show notes below. Thanks for listening.